One time I asked a young active activist, a young man who laid in front of a truck, a truck, an illegal dog truck that filled with dogs on its way to a slaughterhouse. He had to lay in front of the truck to stop the truck so other activists can jump on the truck to rescue the dogs from the truck. So I asked him why he was so brave to do that, knowing that he can, he can, he could easily be injured or thrown into jail. And he told me that he lost his dog to the meat trade, and he's doing this to save other dogs. In a way, he needed to do this to redeem his guilt, because he felt that he didn't take good care of his dog. Welcome to the Cause Compass podcast, where we shine a light on inspiring stories of impact from local nonprofits by interviewing the dedicated individuals driving change within these organizations. Each episode will be joined by a nonprofit leader who will share their organization's unique journey, the challenges they faced, and ways you can join their cause. I'm your host, Joe Kratz, and I'm here to help you gain insights into the nonprofit world and inspire you to take action. Today, we're excited to feature the Duo Duo Project, a nonprofit focused on ending the brutal dog and cat eating practices in China. They operate a number of programs in China focused on animal care, community education, and advocacy. They not only rescue animals in danger of becoming victims of the dog and cat meat trade, but try to change the minds of communities in the dog and cat eating regions of China by hosting events for people to connect with companion animals. In this episode, we're joined by Andrea Gung, the executive director. And Martha Lackritz Peltier, board member and pro bono counsel. Andrea Gung, a Chinese American, graduated from the National Taiwan University and UT Dallas, has lived in the United States for over 40 years. She has cared about the underprivileged and animals since childhood. After selling her successful import business of 25 years in 2012, she pursued her passion to give back to society, using her background to unite the East and West. Andrea's hope for a better world. That works together for the betterment of people and animals resulted in her founding the Duo Duo project in 2013. Duo Duo is also the name of the dog that she adopted from China that helped start the movement. Martha is an attorney specializing in nonprofit tax-exempt law and international grant making. Currently based in France, she's lived in the California Bay Area and in Vietnam, where she was a Fulbright Scholar. She's a graduate of Brown University and Bolt Hall Berkeley School of Law. Martha's day job is general counsel at TechSoup Global, an NGO headquartered in San Francisco that serves nonprofits around the world. In her free time, she provides pro bono advice to various animal welfare organizations. She's also Duo Duo's adoptive mom. Let's dive in and learn more about the Duo Duo project's journey and how you can support their mission. Andrea, Martha, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Joe. So thrilled to be here. Thank you for having us. Of course, yeah. So we can go ahead and dive right in.、Uh, in your own words, can you describe what the Duo Duo Project is, its mission, and, and how you work to accomplish the mission? 
Yeah, so the Do a Dual Project is a U.S.-based charity that partners with communities in China and really around the world to end the practice of eating dog and cat meat. I think, as as many of your listeners may know, in many parts of Asia, and including primarily rural regions of China, South Korea, and Vietnam, for example, there is a tradition of eating uh, dog and cat meat. Now, I say tradition, but it's re- it's not as old as some people might think. There is a misconception that. Um, eating dog and cat meat is either due to sort of poverty or to longstanding cultural traditions. And actually neither of those is quite right. There's there's a superstition in certain Asian countries that eating dog or cat meat on certain days of the year can bring good luck. Similar to, you know, eating a shark fin or illegal tiger meat trade where that stem from this belief that eating certain animals brings virility or, or good luck. Um, and others may sometimes argue again that this that this is a practice that dates back many centuries, closely linked to historical and cultural traditions. But again, I want to emphasize that is also false. By way of example, the infamous Yulin Dog Meat Festival um, has really only been around for the last few decades. So with that context in mind, Dua Dua was founded in 2013 to put an end to this practice. And what distinguishes the organization from other um, typical animal welfare groups is that our primary operations are not about just rescuing or or buying animals from the trade and finding new homes for them. It's part of what we do, but really, we really believe that if, if we want to actually end the practice, then buying dogs as a means of rescuing them actually only fuels that trade further. And so instead, we approach the issue through education, through advocacy, and through community-based programs that really instill a love of respect, um, uh, uh, a sense of love and respect of animals um, in, in rural communities where they might not be traditionally seen as pets, say, um, while also helping to create alternate ways to earn a, earn a livelihood for people in rural communities who are part of that trade um, of say, dog and cat meat trade out of necessity, right? So we're really approaching it on the ground with how do we work with communities to change the hearts and minds of, of those communities and to start seeing those animals a little bit differently and to change the way that they think and live and, and how they sort of interact with, um, with animals and particularly with, with dogs and cats. Sure. No, I, I think that's a, a great overview right there. And, you know, one of the things that I want to touch on too, to, because it's a very interesting backstory, but, you know, the Duo Duo project has a, a unique name origin. Could you explain how the Duo Duo project got its name? Yeah, I first met a dog in 2012 uh, when she was about to sold back to a butcher after local vet students practiced some unnecessary um surgical procedures on her and I decided to buy uh, pay the vet school and buy her for ten dollars um, and I named her Duo Duo which means in Chinese um, abundant so I wanted to give her an abundance of love and she also inspired me to start a nonprofit to end this cruel practice of eating dogs and cats we we often joke that we share custody. Yeah, that yeah, that's actually I ended up getting involved with Dua Dua because, um, well, partly um, Andrea had the idea for the organization. She came to the law firm where I was, and and we ended up talking, and she was looking for some initial advice, and then we ended up personally getting to know each other, and she was talking about her dog, and this was in 2012, and then I ended up. Um, adopting her and got involved in many other ways. But um, yeah, but so I normally, I, I spend my, I split my time between the States and France. And so um, Dua also splits her time between Andre and myself. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Certainly living up to her namesake there, having an abundant life to two caring mothers and, you know, great families to be a part of, I'm sure. 
that's that's great. And and so it was. It seems like kind of Duo Duo convinced you to to join on board, Martha. Is that right? Yeah, she was really. I mean, honestly, I was. Uh, Andrea is a real force of nature. I mean, when you meet her, it's um, it's funny. My husband, who also volunteers for the organization, is. It's like anybody. If you end up talking to Andrea for a little bit, you are sold on the idea of 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 you know the cause of everything. I mean, she's she's so genuine. She's so passionate about this cause. It's hard not for that not to be infectious. Now, it didn't hurt that there was this adorable, um, mischievous little dog that became the mascot, which also stole all of our hearts. So I think um, that was that was certainly a part of it as well. For sure. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, and then one of the things you mentioned, too, is that you guys started in 2013. It's been almost a decade or more than a decade now, I think, since the Duo Duo project started. How has the organization evolved since its founding in 2013? And are there any major milestones that you can highlight um, that you've accomplished along the way? Yeah, I'd love to answer that, Andrea, because this is indeed our 10th anniversary. And honestly, no one is more surprised than I am by just how much the organization has accomplished. Um, One of the stories Andrea likes to tell is, well, because I told her that when I first met her, I thought, I, so I lived in Vietnam, actually, in, in my 20s for four years. So I was very much exposed to this, this practice um, at the time and, and, and also horrified. But honestly, in certain areas of Asia, it is very ingrained as sort of like a, a practice that certain people do. Still, no, not, not an entire community does it, but there will be sort of a, a group of men in, in the village that will be very attached to this practice. Say. And I just remember thinking, like, this woman is so idealistic and this is wonderful and I want to support her, but she's never going to. This is just impossible. Like, this is a task that is going to take lifetimes and 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 it's remarkable frankly what has happened over the past 10 years um you know i think just pulling out a few major accomplishments as you mentioned milestones you know we have donors and volunteers around the world which you know i don't think was necessarily anticipated that within the first few years we would have people from australia heavily engaged and and the uk and and of course in parts of china and other and, and asian americans who felt like oh gosh you know stories from children who grew up in china or in vietnam and said gosh i remember seeing this and it just it was so sad to me to see this happening um so i think the sort of breadth of engagement globally has been um really interesting really from the get-go. We also have five strong teams in China on the ground, which I think is a major accomplishment in and of itself. And those are in areas where dog and cat eating is is really um, predominant. Um, That is Yulin, uh, Guangzhou, uh, Mudanjan, Meizu, and Dandong. And um, in 2016, we opened our first shelter in Yulin. I mentioned earlier that that is the site of the um, annual dog meat festival that does actually tends to get quite a press, quite a bit of press the past few years um, because it, they annually slaughter over 10,000 dogs that are largely stolen. Um, so these are, it isn't actually a, a legal trade, but um, which is one of the sort of horrors of it is that these are animals that are often stolen from homes and then crammed into small trucks and and carried across the country for this for this festival for example um our second shelter we opened in 2017 um in mudanjang and i think having that presence there is already in a an amazing accomplishment because of the the it's very hard to establish an, an, an ngo already in china because of the politics of the situation and because you have to prove that you're not sort of threatening or denigrating you know the, poli- the 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 government or the culture so you really have to which which fits with what we're trying to achieve right because we're not it's not about us trying to say you're doing something bad it's about us saying let's rethink the way that we that you treat animals uh, that that we interact with animals and how can we work together on that which is part of the reason these shelters are not just about rescuing the dogs but it's about bringing in local volunteers it's about paying kids who um you know don't don't have a don't have any re- revenue or come from very poor families to come in and spend time with the animals, right? So I think opening those shelters has been a 
huge milestone and a lot of hard work. Um, do a dual project has also been approved as a, as a legal entity by the government of Mudanjang in 2020, which is another huge accomplishment. Um, and we built a, a youth compassion center in Mudanjang in 2021, which is again, the idea is it's, it's not a, um, it is a, it is an area with a lot of low income families. And so it's a great way for us to bring additional sources of revenue while also building a sense of, um, what it means to be around dogs and to see puppies and spend time with cats and animals and, and starting to grow that bond so that future generations, uh, think about it very differently. Sure. No, yeah, you, you definitely listed a lot there in, in terms of what the Duo Duo project has accomplished over the last 10 years. And, you know, speaking from my experience, just working with small businesses, I know that not many small businesses survive after the first few years. And for nonprofits, I think that survival rate is typically lower. But not only have you survived, but you've thrived setting up, you know, uh, different programs in in China, not even in the US, right? And so you, you've managed to establish yourself as a, a, a real global player. And I think that's incredibly significant and a testament to the both of you and, and to everyone who volunteers and helps out. I think that's amazing. And you know, you touched on some of the, the programs that you offer there from the, the compassion events to the shelters, but could you talk a little bit more in depth about some of the different programs that you offer uh, at the Duo Duo Project? Yeah, we have three major programs or three major initiatives. The first one is um, we create animal care task forces. We brought in a vet training program to teach local vets with the latest spare neuter techniques. We promote low-cost and easily access, accessible spare neuter services. And we also promote adoption over buying dogs and cats, which is a fairly new concept for the local communities. Then we also teach local activists on adoption logistics, like foster home recruitment and home visits. Um, just like what we uh, the animal uh, rescues do here. So we hope we can get more funding to expand this program, the, the adoption program in 2023. And the second initiative is um, education and community outreach. Um, we have um, been very focusing on educational program because we think that's the most effective way to end this practice, changing hearts and minds, especially on the younger generation. So the programs including summer animal welfare camps um, and uh, um, community outreach and uh, s some activities like animal painting contest. The, um, in the dog and eating cities, most of them are in a rural area and they are kind of uh, poor with limited resources. So painting has become their most popular after school class because compared to piano, um, ballet, dancing classes, painting is much cheaper. So a lot of kids are involved in the painting classes. So we decided to organize a lot of painting contests. Uh, we believe um, have children painting over with a thing or topic of animals uh, for children that for them to learn how to appreciate animals through painting. Uh, we have actually organized many successful uh, painting contests in those dog eating regions. In fact, we had a very, uh, very, very successful one in Yuling. We had, um, we didn't expect to have 
we wanted to have 500 kids, and、uh, we want to give them a little thermal cup or something fancy. But then we have 5,000 people, 5,000 kids signed up. So I told our team in Yunlin, okay, just give them a pen, not nothing fancy, not five thousand, and we had to、uh, borrow the audito- aud- huge auditorium to、uh, to put on this contacts. We're very happy、uh, about the turnout. So that um, that's um, second initiative we really like to do, and the third one is we call advocacy. We actually um hired. Local top-notch lawyers to train our activists how to use their lo- their limited laws to to sue the illegal activities or after they stop the truck, how they can deal with local government to to get ownership, transfer the ownership of those dogs rescued from the truck to the local shelters. So before they、uh, we they met us, they had no way of you know just a bunch of young compassionate. Young people, they have no legal knowledge. So we provided them with. We hired the, some really good lawyers to train them. We have workshops and、uh, seminars to train. So that's our third initiative: is legal actions and advocacy. You know, I keep going back to this in my mind. The the painting. It's amazing that you were able to come up with this activity、uh, that intersects with the culture and and what you're also trying to accomplish and and move forward so well. The fact that you had five thousand turnout when you were just expecting five hundred. I, I think that's a a pretty good sign that 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 you're having a significant impact and and、uh, that's great. So you know, one of the other things that you mentioned there was your animal welfare summer camps, and you know, you listed a number of other community outreach initiatives that you have. How have these programs changed the public perception of the the dog and cat meat trade? Yeah, you know, it's been interesting、um, to see this because I mean, I mean, one thing to note is that a lot of these because the organization has been focused in more rural areas because it is important to note that in you know as In more urban areas, it's it's much less common to see dog or cat meat eating, and there are the the vast majority of the population actually are are、um, do not approve of it and and own pets very commonly, right? And so when you look at the more rural communities, oftentimes、um, a dog, for example, may be kept really for the utilitarian purpose of being being a guardian, right? Or for and so dogs are often not not trained to actually be gentle or kind, or or they're fearful themselves because they've been strays or they've been、um, you know abused essentially, and Um, and so, a lot of children, their only interactions with dogs are around dogs that are that are scary, that might bite them, that that they're told to sort of stay away from, or that are in the street and they're dirty and they're dangerous. And so, some of them have truly never been exposed to a, a friendly dog that's been loved and and that wants to love back. Which many of us, that's how we know dogs, right?、Um, and so, for a lot of these kids, being in these these camp, these you know pr- these summer programs and camps where they can engage with dogs and and see how loving a dog can be, it totally transforms their. Perception of, of of what what a dog is. A dog suddenly isn't just this guard, you know, vicious guard animal. It's actually someone that that can love me and I can love back.、Um, and and I think it can be remarkable for a lot of us who grew up in communities where it's very common to have a dog、um, to realize that that could be the first time in a child or a teenager's or even an adult's life that they that they see that kind of relationship. And so we really have seen that that transformative kind of interaction. Um, with children, local kids,、um, to play with the dogs, to have that up, up, up close encounter, to be able to experience that that very particular kind of love,、uh, 
Um, and, you know, and it is something that we're seeing just a massive difference between the younger generations and the older generations is it's something that um, it, it doesn't take long to fall in love with a dog. You know, I mean, even people that aren't, you know, so-called dog people, I think. And so just having that that exposure and that different context um, you see it immediately, you know, and I know that in lots of, because Andrea travels consistently to these areas, she's constantly there. She's constantly checking in with the communities and the people and, and the activists and the volunteers and has a really good sense of like what, what is valued and what is valuable to them and what is, what works and what doesn't. Right. And I think, um, and I, and Andrea can speak more articulately about this, but I know a lot of the conversations she's had with kids that come out just saying like, my gosh, I would never want to hurt a dog. Like I would never, you know, I, it just totally changes one's perception. Um, so I, I think it's been enormously successful and, and, and heartwarming. For sure. Yeah. I mean, kind of changing that perception, it, you're right. It's, it's not that hard to fall in love with a dog. Um, I think just kind of like showing that other side to a family pet and, and companion is, is a great way to kind of change minds. Um, so that's great. And, you know, you mentioned too, Andrea, you mentioned about advocacy, how that is really important. How do you collaborate with local activists, shelters, government authorities, and other organizations in China to help you achieve your mission? Like I, I like I mentioned, we really provide the legal services that much needed for local activists. They really, before they met us, they really didn't know how to maneuver even their legal system, and they don't even know what kind of laws they don't have. China doesn't have animal welfare law, but there are other laws they they can use. So we hire the lawyer to help those uh, build up his team when whenever there's a legal issues. We send out our team to to sue whoever we need to sue, and uh, luckily the the lawyer fee is so much cheaper compared to here. So a dollar can go a long way in in China. That's the the point, especially in the region that eat dogs and cats because they're rural and and the kind of low income. So yeah, we that's a lot of things we can provide, um, very effectively, very cost effective. Sure. Yeah, that that paints a great picture right there too. You know, the the lower cost of lawyers in China, it's uh, it's unheard of, right? For folks in the U.S. Yeah. who are familiar with, you know, how much lawyers can cost, I, yeah, that's a that's a big <laughs> difference. And you're right, the dollar can go much further in that case. Yes. Which is great. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned too setting up adoption campaigns. Uh, that's that's no small feat. I know, I know that that is something even in the U S that people still struggle with the adopt don't shop saying is big here, but you know, still people buy. And, you know, one of the most important things, and I'm sure you're aware is the, the welfare of the animals that are, are being adopted out. And so, you know, I'm curious, how does the duo duo project ensure kind of the, the long-term well-being of the animals it rescues post-adoption? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and you know, I think there are there are a few different ways to look at this. One is most of those animals we do try to rehome um, within China uh, for a number of reasons. One is because we want to support the kind of ecosystem for, uh, as, as Andrea was describing, of, of finding a home for them and not necessarily getting them on a plane over to the States because there might be somebody who's really interested in China in a rescue dog. Uh, always happy to find a home wherever we can. But to the extent that we can nourish that local ecosystem of creating shelters, um, providing support for those shelters, whether it's in the form of um, dog food or um, you know, medical support or training, right? I think a lot of the, the sort of compassion centers and the shelters and the spaces that were created are also focused on how do you train a dog? How do you care for a dog? Because it, in many cases, it may be a, a first time um, dog owning family. So again, it goes into this 
kind of education piece of like, it's not just about, you know, a dog is great. Now, what do you do once you own a dog? And how do, how do we learn to love that dog and take care of it and um, build a safe environment for the dog? Um, the other thing that we've been doing that Andrea touched on earlier is bringing in vets. And so a lot of support for bringing in American vets, training local vets in China with um, less invasive surgical procedures, which has the, um, the sort of double effect of on the one hand, it creates a better, safer environment for the dogs in that region. It also creates um, opportunities for spay and neuter programs so that we're already reducing the population of stray dogs. Um, so that has sort of a win-win a effect there as well. Um, we do train local activists as well um, to organize adoption and foster programs and training programs. Um, and then we're also looking to bring in a complete animal care program to China um, now that, that we're hoping to sort of see the end of COVID. It's a program that we've implemented here. Um, so it's a lot of this sort of long term on the ground. We're not going anywhere. You know, we're not just here for the big dog meat festival or when all the, you know, the news trucks came, come in. Um, but we're really there for the long term and have been since we were founded was how do we start building up that ecosystem, that 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 new sense of sort of culture and love and, and sort of supporting it for the long term. And that way, I think is really is really what it takes. For sure. Yeah. And I, I think that's really apparent just in, in how you've been describing your work, right? You're an end to end solution, not solution, but you know, you're kind of attacking the root of the problem all the way up to the, the leaves of the problem. You've thought out, you know, how can we change mindsets and also how can we continue to educate once some mindsets are, are maybe changed, which is incredibly hard, I'm sure. Um, but I, I think it's, uh, it's amazing work. And you've already mentioned how some of the public perception is beginning to change just in some of your, your anecdotes and experiences there too. One of the other things that, that I'm really curious about too is can each of you share a, a personal experience or encounter that has had like a profound impact on you during your time with the Duo Duo project? I'm sure there's a lot over the last 10 years. Um, I can share one first. Um, one time I asked a young active, activist, a young man who laid in front of a truck, a truck, an illegal dog truck that filled with dogs on its way to a slaughterhouse. He had to lay in front of the truck to stop the truck so other activists can jump on the truck to rescue the dogs from the truck. So I asked him why he was so brave to do that, knowing that he can he can he could easily be injured or thrown into jail. And he told me that he lost his dog to the meat trade. And he's doing this to save other dogs. In a way, he needed to do this to redeem his guilt because he felt that he didn't take good care of his dog. And his sadness and anger shown on his face totally really touched me. I mean, I don't know if I can uh, top that. I think, you know, Andrea has these, so many amazing stories from coming back from China. And I can say my husband, who's a he's a videographer, actually um, went, went with um, Andrea on a couple of trips and was a, a real eye-opening experience for him as well um, to work for, to do interviews, to meet with the kids, to take photographs of a lot of the school events. And, and I mean, those are just, it, it's a it's a fascinating mix of just hope, right? You see tons of fo the photos with tons, tons of school children in Yulin and holding up their pictures and loving to interact with people from America. And my husband is French too. So it was like, they wanted to learn about Paris and France. And um, and those interactions, I think were really heartwarming and touching, um, you know, in, 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 a, in a way that's a little bit less depressing than some of the images that we see. For sure. No, it, it seems like, you know, regardless of people's 
familiarity with this topic, it, it seems you can make connections and find people who are interested to learn more. And I think that's really important. And it, it just kind of shows the reach that you're able to have. And I think, too, you know, one of the things um, that I'm sure people listening would like to know is what is the most valuable kind of support your organization can receive right now from individuals? Um, of course, the funding is the most important thing. Obviously, it's the most important thing. So we need donations and the connections right now. We have quite a few strategically designed campaigns that we'd like to start in China soon. Now the country is um, opening up. Um, if we have more funding, we can move much faster to our goal. We also need good connections to kind of, um, uh, we can reach out to ask for help to bring in uh, vets to China, like we mentioned, the programs we do. And uh, we also need uh, support from shelters or animal control team here to help us set up the logistics and then the foster system that we mentioned earlier. So. The, the donation and the connections are um, very much in need now. Well, the connections I forgot to mention, since we're in the in Sunnyvale, in the center of the Bay Area, I would really love to have local young professionals that work for high tech like Google, Facebook, and Apple um, bring me in, for example, to do a show and tell um, meetup in their companies and bringing more um, young professional to the cause. And so the connection that we can break into high tech, since we're right here, and I would really uh, grateful if any young high tech professional can reach out to me and get us connected with uh, those high tech companies. What is the best way for folks to connect with you or to stay up to date with what you're working on? We really love people to sign up for our e-news because then they will be uh, will, they will be informed about our campaigns and a lot of things. Um, so if they can go to our website to sign up with our e-news, that will, that will be good. Be a really good, great way to stay connected. And we we are actually about to roll out an ambassador program. So if uh, I encourage people, if you really care about this movement, want to help us end this terrible dog and cat eating practice, sign up and to become our ambassador. It will help us uh, with us in a big way to spread the message, raise awareness, and help us make connections. So um, please sign up through our website to uh, give us a, a, your email and we can reach out to you. Sure. That sounds like the ambassador program is a great way for people to help raise awareness as well of the issues that you're you're tackling, which is great. Okay. Um, do you also have any need for any kind of volunteers or do you have any other events that you'd like to highlight here? Yeah, actually, you mentioned uh, not just me and Martha have brought Dodo this, this far. We have really good a team of volunteers. We have good copywriter, graphic designer, marketing people. They, they, we have a lot of good volunteers, but we also always need more volunteers. Um, so again, sign up through our website if you're interested in being volunteers. And we are going to have our annual gala in September, on September 24th uh, in in South Bay. So I would love to have the dog, any dog lover to come to our gala to get to know us. Sure. Well, 
All right, that's about all the time we have for today. It was really great to learn more about the Duo Duo project and the work that they're doing to end the dog and cat meat trade in China. Andrea, Martha, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Jill. Thank you. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Cause Compass podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the Duo Duo project and how you can get involved, please visit their website and follow them on social media. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the Cause Compass newsletter and podcast to discover more local nonprofits making a difference.